I want to say uh, welcome, especially if you're a guest. We're delighted to be with you and worshiping God uh, together today. Some of you know I got ordained on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a very, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Some of you were there, and uh, that was special to have you. It was a real privilege to have you there. Uh, I was honored by your presence. Thank you. Uh, and so now that I've been ordained by our denomination, which is called the Evangelical Church, that is our covering, that is our oversight, I just want you to know that now I am a real pastor. Everything before now has been fake, but now it's the real deal. And we've been talking about our money and our stuff in this series that we call So You Want to Be Rich. Uh, Andy Stanley from North Point Church and Craig Rochelle at LifeChurch.tv have been real instrumental in my prep for this message and this series. And I just want to say how incredibly proud I am of how receptive and open you've all been to God's leading in and through this series. Some people get real jumpy and they get real, like, nervous when we start talking, especially Christians when we start talking about their checkbook and their wallet, and you haven't done that, you haven't been like that, and I hear really, really good things from some of you about how God is working in your hearts through this run of messages, and I'm just really, really proud of you for all of that. You are a fantastic community of people. I have a friend of mine here today that I want you to meet. It's real fitting and appropriate that we're in this series that we call So You Want to Be Rich because my friend's name happens to be Rich. What do you know? His name is Rich Morlock, uh, and Rich is with an organization called the Wesleyan Investment Foundation, which acts as one of Journey Church's banks. It's actually the group that loaned us the money that it took to get the commons uh, put up. We're in debt to the Wesleyan Investment Foundation, somewhere around $3 million as we sit here today. And uh, Rich is Journey's loan officer. He's been a friend of mine for a few years now. And so you please give a very warm Journey Church welcome to my friend Rich. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. you hail from Indianapolis. I do. Welcome. Yeah. It's great Good to, to have here. you. Thanks for coming. Uh, was it like snowing in Indianapolis? Yeah, actually, I came from 70-degree weather all <laughs> last week, so this is a little bit of an adjustment for me. But I'm yes. originally from South Dakota, so I'm not, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's good. At least it's not North Dakota, right? Yeah, that's right. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, I found out a cool deal about you this week. You have yeah. some roots right here in the Gallatin Valley. Unpack that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's really cool is... Um, I was talking to my dad, and who's an immigrant from the Netherlands. Uh, I was born there, and it, it goes back, and my family's from there. But um, I was talking to him, and he actually came here as a result of, a, of an individual named Ollie Dykerhaus uh, that lives in Churchill in the, uh, the Amsterdam area. And um, he stayed with him. He, spo- he was sponsored by him. And uh, that picture right there was taken in front of the Dykerhaus' house, and I happened to be able to have an opportunity to go there yesterday, meet wow. with Al's, uh, Ollie's son, Hank, yep. who's about uh, seven, well, 77 years old, and his son, who's my age. And we actually took a picture of that exact spot right there, and I'm in between them. And I, I think my dad will appreciate that. Oh, that's, that's, a lot that's of fun. really, really cool. Uh, yeah. And did you have the 57 Chevy in the same spot yesterday? We, we, that's the only thing we were missing. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. We, we used a, a white Chevy truck. So. Oh, that, that works too. Absolutely. So the Wesleyan Investment Foundation, uh, they now know that, that you're the source that we yeah. borrowed our money from to get this building put up. But what else do you do? How, how does yeah. that work? Will you well, tell us about that, yeah, please? Yeah, a little, a little history on who we are. We, we were founded 60 years ago by a group of individuals that found that 
churches needed help to get loans from uh, or, and financing to, to build facilities like this. Uh, not, not like this, but... Because traditional in, banks, when, when we go walking in the doors uh, talking about needing $3 million and such, traditional banks laugh at churches. They, right. they really do, right? Right, and well, they, they don't understand the faith aspect, of course, um, <laughs> yes. that comes with, with churches. But we've been very fortunate never to have foreclosed on a church in 60 years, never had a loss on a loan which is really remarkable if you think about it. But it was started 60 years ago with $100,000 of seed money. Um, and that $100,000 has since grown to, to over $500 million, over 800 churches, thousands of churches we've been able to help thanks to those individuals that started it. And uh, it's, just, it's just cool that we're able to do that. Wow. And where does your money come from that you loan to churches like us? That's a good question. It comes from individuals like you and I. Some of you... I, I would suspect even because we've been working with Journey for a while, there may be probably individuals here in the church that are actually yeah. depositors and investors with us. Yep. It starts with just a, a deposit of $25, uh, as little as $25 to open an account. All three of my children have accounts with WIF, um, and you can earn uh, really attractive rates. What are, would unpack those. Listen, yeah. to, listen carefully to this. Yeah, well... I, most, most of us know that at your bank, if you have a demand savings account or checking account, you're earning nearly 0% or 0.2% or something <laughs> like that. Yes. Our current investment rates are, um, for, for balances, up to $5,000 or 2.5%. So that's the lowest rate we have. And then that raises up to 3.5% for balances over 35000 So it's, and it's, it's a demand savings account. It's liquid. You can get it daily. And what, what's really most cool about that is you're able to not only be a good steward of your resources that God's given you um, by investing and, and earning money on that or showing your kids that you can do that, but what's really cool is your money is being poured right back into churches like Journey, other churches, over 800 churches across the country in Canada, and Canada, and even a few around the world that you're impacting as a result of that and seeing the kingdom grow. So that's what's really cool about it. That's fantastic. And Rich, uh, you'll be out in the lobby following yeah. this experience and people can come and see you and yeah. I'll connect be, up. I'll be back there. I've got a few brochures left and be happy to talk to you. It's been um, a really great experience being here this weekend and hopefully it can bring the family back. I've got something for you, Brian, that, oh, really? um, that we're able to do as a result of just the... Um, Working with churches, we've been, we're a strong organization, and, and we're able to, as a result of the interest that we earn on churches, be able to give back. So I've got a gift for Journey Church uh, this wow. morning of $5,000 I'd like to give back to you. Well, thank you Thanks. very much for that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. okay. thank you so much. Thank you. <clears throat> That's fantastic. Thank you very much. You can come back anytime. I'm going to bring, bring gifts. And just so you know, we're going to give this right back to him. Uh, we owe $2.995 million now. Thank you very much for that. It's a fantastic organization uh, and worthy of you uh, investing with them, and uh, that's why they're here. It's just a cool mission, right? So your, your money just isn't sitting in a bank somewhere. It's actually mobilized across the kingdom of God, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Keep your hands down. No, absolutely no show of hands on this one. When it comes to money and finances, how many of you would say, I want to be below average with my money and with my finances? If I ask for a show, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but if I did, 
I'll bet that none of you would raise your hand to say that you want to be below average or at the bottom end with your money or finances, right? We just wouldn't. We want to be at like the top end, right? The sad news, however, is that if you're rich, and we are, we've been talking about it now for the past few weeks, if you're rich, like we are, chances are very, very good that you are a below average or bottom end giver. How's that for an inspiring start to the weekend worship experience. I talked about it last weekend. Chances are that if you're rich, you're a below average or bottom end giver. Studies show the bigger the stack of stuff people have, the smaller the percentage that they tend to give. Those same studies show the smaller the stack of stuff people have, the higher the percentage they tend to give. And chances are that because you're rich, you are a below average or bottom end giver. Christian Smith and Michael Emerson, they wrote a book back in 2008 entitled Passing the Plate, Why Christians Don't Give Away More Money. And they wrote the book to try to figure out, to try to solve the riddle of why American Christians give away such small amounts of money. Now, if I were to ask for a show of hands, again, I'm not, keep your hands down. If I were to ask you all if you wanted to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and lived out and incarnated all over the world, as well as in your backyard, and if you wanted to see the hungry fed, and if you wanted to see the church strengthened, if you wanted to see the poor raised up to enjoy lives of dignity and hope, I believe, literally, that every single one of you would say, absolutely, I want to see all of that stuff happen. We would all say that we want to see all those things happen. Now, by the way, Those are all tasks that require very large sums of money. They do. And yet, despite all of our saying that we want to see all those very costly things happen, most of us give away relatively little amounts of money toward accomplishing those very things that we would all say that we would like to see accomplished. Smith and Emerson, they give five verifiable facts about the giving of Christians in the United States. Fact number one. At least one in five American Christians, that's us, at least one in five, 20% of U.S. Christians give literally nothing to the church or parachurch organizations. A parachurch organization is a group like Campus Crusade for Christ or InterVarsity Christian Fellowship or so on. 20% of American Christians gives absolutely nothing to either one of those, the church or parachurch. Fact number two, the vast majority of American Christians give very little to church and parachurch organizations. Fact number three, American Christians do not give evenly. A small minority of very generous givers contribute most of the Christian giving dollars given. Fact number four, higher income earning American Christians, just as most Americans in general, give little to no more money as a percentage of household income than lower income earning Christians. As a matter of fact, I ran across some other data this week that pointed out that the average American gives only 3.1% of their income to charities. Any charity at all. That's a church, that's a parachurch organization, a non-religious charity, 3.1%, which frankly is tragic in my view. The average American gives only 3.1%, but check this out. Those who make way less than the average American, those who make below $10,000 a year, those who are earning below the poverty line wage, don't just give 3.1%. Those who are earning a below the poverty line wage give 5.2% of their income away. That's over 2% higher as a percentage of their income than the average American, which is absolutely astonishing to me. Fact number five. Despite very real and massive growth of per capita income all throughout the 20th century, the average percentage of income given by American Christians not only did not grow in proportion, but actually declined slightly. 
So while per capita incomes were chugging steeply up and to the right all throughout the 20th century, Christian giving did not grow along with incomes. As a matter of fact, it actually declined. Christian giving did. And so you take all that data and you interpret it, and it really lands with a thud square on our laps, doesn't it? A sizable number of Christians give absolutely no money to their church or any organization whatsoever that seeks to accomplish the very things that we say that we want to see accomplished, which means that most contemporary American Christians, that is you and that is me, I am one, are remarkably ungenerous when it comes to sharing our money. And that really begs the question, why did God make us rich? Why did God make us rich? I mean, really, why? You want to know how so many typical Christians answer that question? I believe that most typical Christians answer it like this. It would appear that God has made me rich so that I could have more, get more, buy more, and consume more. That's what most U.S. Christians, how they would answer the question, why did God make us rich? But I want to show you what the Bible, God's Word, says about why he has made us rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. It'll also be on the screens. And here's what the Bible says very clearly. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can always be what? Generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. It's very, very clear then why God has made us rich, isn't it? So that we can always, not sometimes, always be generous. But so many of us don't get that. The non-typical Christian answer to why God has made you rich is this one. Point number one on your outline, God has made me rich because one of the things he wants for me to do is to give more. God has made you rich because one of the things he wants is for you to give more. Now we've been making a statement all along. We've sort of been building on it each week and we're going to build on it again this week. And here's the statement Uh, And then what we're going to add on to it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Here's what we're adding. Because I have more, I will give more. Will you repeat that with me aloud? Let's read it together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. So you want to be rich? That's how to be rich according to God. So how in the world do we learn to give more? First of all, it starts out by becoming an intentional giver. To learn how to give more, you become an intentional giver. And giving takes intentionality because by nature, we're selfish, aren't we? By nature, we want to trust in our stack of stuff and say, my stack is going to provide my security. And learning to give more requires a serious intentionality because as our income increases, so does our lifestyle. We get a raise and we think, okay, now we can get, and you fill in the blank, right? Or we get a tax refund and we say, okay, now we can go to, and we fill in the blank. Or we get a bonus and we think, now I can buy, and we fill in the blank, Our default position is that our more that we receive is just for us. But if we're going to give more, we have to learn how to be intentional givers, which is absolutely life-changing if we can get a handle on this. Becoming an intentional giver means that we're not going to be after-the-fact, leftover kind of givers. Instead, we're intentional and prayerful about what we give. 
It's actually in the church so incredibly rare that we ever see or hear people pray and think on how in the world they can give more to God. You hardly ever in the church hear people say, if we just kept our life simple, if we just downsized, if we didn't buy this thing, go on that trip, then, oh man, think about how much more we could give to God. And that's really because most people do not believe the words of Jesus Christ, Acts 20, 35. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And intentional givers, they do something. And here's what it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what intentional givers do. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Intentional giving means that we actually pray about our giving. We seek the face of God in the realm of our giving. It is not giving, intentional giving is not a spur of the moment. Oh, shoot, the bag is coming down the row. How much, how much, how much, how much? It's not like that. As a matter of fact, Journey Church is working toward in the new year in 2011, around the start of 2011, of actually doing away entirely, and I'm dead serious when I say this, of doing away entirely with the passing of the offering bags inside of our weekend worship experiences. We're going to do away with it entirely, and we're going to move to a much more intentional means of giving. We're going to send people to your house to receive your gifts from... No. (laughs) Absolutely kidding. That is a joke. A joke, just so we're clear. But seriously, we're going to move to more intentional methods and means of giving. We're going to move over to an online kind of giving. And we'll get that up and we'll get that running. We're also going to put these offering boxes around the commons where it'll actually go and it'll actually deposit your tithe, your giving into those boxes because we think that giving is meant to be very, very intentional. It isn't just a spur of the moment, hurry up, the guy at the bag is waiting at the end of the row kind of a thing. Intentional giving is inviting God's input into your giving process. So how do we become bigger givers? We do that by becoming intentional givers. And if you want to be rich, that's how to be rich according to God. And there's two ways to be intentional with our giving. Number one is this. We intentionally return to God what belongs to God via the tithe. We intentionally return to God what belongs to God via the tithe. Speaking of tithing, watch this video. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. (laughs) I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? I only agreed to make this video if they promise not to tell you who I am. I mean, it's really none of your business. And it's also none of your business how much I give. I'm not going to brag about it, okay? I mean, yeah. It's cool. I just got married, and I have a kid, okay? And sure, you know, we get around. We're doing okay. But look, who I am and what I give is 
It's between God and I, okay? I mean, the sacrifices I make are between me and God, and my reward is in heaven. So look, don't try to figure out who I am or what I give, because honestly, it's, it's none of your business. I tithe. Okay, that's a lie. I don't tithe. I want to tithe. That's a lie, too. I don't even think about it. But seriously, you think God's up there like with a big old checklist going, hey, you tithe, you don't tithe? I don't buy that at all. Okay, I kind of buy that. Because what do you say? Give to God what is God's and give to Caesar's what is Caesar's? I don't even know any Caesar's. That's a lie. I know four Caesar's, even the little one. Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Has, has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. Up right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It works, though. How do you think I afforded that house in Tahiti? <laughs> oh, what time is it? It's tithing time. I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom. That's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friend's a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not now is crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a heart thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me There you have the skinny on tithing
to be an intentional giver, we intentionally return to God what belongs to him already. And really, this is where the rubber meets the road. Look at what the Bible says about the tithe. Leviticus 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, what? Belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Now, here's what some people do. When we start talking about the Old Testament law of tithing, some people will say, time out. That's the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Covenant anymore. We're under the New Covenant now. So the tithe is not really under grace now. The tithe is not required any longer. To which I say, whenever Jesus talked about an Old Covenant, Old Testament law, what did he do with it? He raised the bar, didn't he? He didn't lower the bar. He raised it. Let me give you just one for instance of Jesus Christ raising the bar in the New Testament. The Ten Commandments say, do not commit adultery, right? What does Jesus say? He says, don't even lust. He raises the bar. And if you read the whole of the New Testament of the Bible, you see that it actually raises the bar above just the 10% thing. The 10% thing becomes a floor, really, not just a ceiling. And it raises it to a place of real generosity. At least, then, 10% belongs to God. At least 10% is holy and set apart for him. So how do we give the tithe? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. You heard it referenced in the video. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. We give the tithe to God by bringing 10% of what God has entrusted to us to our church. Scholars agree universally that the storehouse of Malachi 3 is the local church. That means that Journey Church is one of God's storehouses. And God directs that we bring 10% of what God entrusts to us to the church which we are connected to and a part of. Why? So there may be spiritual food and spiritual nourishment across the life of the church and across the community. We return to God what's God's. Then we give offerings above the tithe to parachurch organizations, Campus Crusade, and so on. We give above and beyond the tithe to building programs, capital campaigns, and other worthy organizations. But honestly, the more we have, the more difficult it is to give, isn't it? For example, let's just say this last week that you made 10 bucks. It's real easy to tithe off 10 bucks, isn't it, right? You give $1. You're like, one, uh, 10% of my 10 bucks is one buck. What in the world can I even do with this $1? No big deal. As a matter of fact, when the offering bag goes by, you might be feeling extra generous, and you're like, yeah, here's two bucks, God. I don't even know what I could do with two bucks. But then let's say next month you make 10000 You get a heck of a raise. You make $10,000 the next month, and you walk in here, and you're thinking about tithing off of that. All of a sudden, you're going, oh my gosh, 10% of $10,000, $1,000. I could really do something with $1,000. That check gets a little more difficult to write, doesn't it? Well, let's just say you continue to be faithful. God really blesses you. One day, your stack of stuff grows really big. Let's say that one year, you make $100,000. And all of a sudden, you're going 10% of $100,000. That is 10,000 bucks. Ain't no way I'm giving 10,000 bucks. And as crazy as it sounds, the bigger your stack of stuff grows, the harder it is to give. But that is not how to be rich. That's how to be selfish. And journey, we're not going to be selfish. We're going to be intentional. And we're going to return to God what belongs to God. That is the invitation. And honestly, hear this from my heart. It is not at all about the money. 
It is not at all about the money. God wants to use this tithe deal in so many other ways in our lives. For example, he uses the tithe as one way of teaching us how in the world we put him first. The problem, however, is that most people just don't do it. So many of we who follow Jesus Christ, we give to God out of our leftovers. But the tithe, by very definition, is first fruit giving. It is the very first appropriation of our money every month, every paycheck to God. So instead of giving to God after all of our other bills are paid, true tithing is taking the entire pie of our resources, cutting out very first thing, about 10%, and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for blessing me with all of these resources. This 10% is not mine. It's yours. It belongs to you. And God, it is my honor to worship you with my tithe. That is a powerful way to learn how to order our entire life, our entire being around God. Tithing teaches us how to put God first. God also uses the tithe as one way of increasing our faith in him. By giving to him first, right off the top, our first fruits before any of our other bills are paid, God's actually helping us build our faith and trust in him. And here's where this meets the road for me. 90% with the blessing of God goes further than 100% without the blessing of God. 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% without his blessing. Yes, it absolutely takes faith to give to God first. Yes, if we give to God after, uh, what, after we pay everyone else with the leftovers, that does not take any faith. But think about the faith by which God gave to us. The Bible says very clearly that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to us. You talk about an incredible gift of faith. God himself gave by faith even before we accepted the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches and tells us to give by faith as well. Look at the rest of Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Check this out. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God says, I am so sure of this that I actually want you to test me. And if you test me, I'm going to pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. That is how good God is. And right now, some of you might be sitting there going like, all right, I get it. I've not been trusting God in this way, and I want to. I want to honor him. I feel compelled to start returning the tithe to him. And this idea is not original with us, but we have a way for you and your family to test God very specifically in the realm of tithing. It's called the three-month tithe challenge. There's a sheet attached to your notes pages. You might turn there with the detail on this. And very simply, the overview of the three-month tithe challenge is that you say yes. You just say yes. For the next three months, I'm going to put God to the test, just like he invites us to in Malachi 3. I'm going to tithe the first thing right off the top for the next three months. At the end of the three months' time, which uh, if you start today would be the weekend of February 12th and 13th, Uh, If you start today, that'd be the weekend of February 12th and 13th. If you get to that weekend in February, three months from now, and you say, you know, that didn't work for me. I don't believe it. I haven't seen God's blessing. It didn't work out for me, whatever. All you got to do is you make a call to our offices. We will stroke you a refund check for every single penny that you gave from this weekend until then. Literally, no questions asked. It's a money-back guarantee of sorts. Literally. Now, 
This challenge is for those of you who have not previously been tithing. If you've been tithing already, you've probably been seeing God's blessings already. If you've been giving a little here and a little there sort of sporadically, this would be for you. If you've been giving nothing, then this would be for you as well. This is for those of you who have not previously been giving the tithe. There's lots of specifics on that sheet. If you're going to get in, if you're going to take God up on this invitation, on this challenge, you just tear it off, sign the bottom of that sheet, drop under the offering bag when it goes by in a little bit. I'll be over in Guest Central following this experience. John Oakland, our executive pastor, will be up here and will be delighted to answer any further questions you have around that. Now, very, very candidly, what I anticipate happening if you'll take God up on his challenge is that you will see God prove himself faithful to you just like he has time and time and time before. I anticipate God doing more with the percentage you have left after you give to him than he was doing with the 100% that you were keeping for yourself. Because you see, this tithe deal is God's deal. It's intentionally returning to him what already belongs to him. And the second way for us to give intentionally, the first way is through the tithe. The second way is that we intentionally give more and more in order to make a difference in the world. We intentionally give more and more in order to make a difference in the world. We're going to give intentionally and we're going to give more and more because God has given us more and more, not just so that we can consume all of it, but so that we can actually mobilize a significant portion to make a difference in the world. Mobilizing God's money to do whatever it takes to connect people with him. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you find everything in you just resisting If that's you, it's very, very likely, in all candor, that you're focused on making your stack of stuff bigger, which means that for you, if you're going to get engaged in this giving deal, you're going to have to start practicing the giving deal because we get good at what we practice at. We get better at what we practice at. You might not enjoy giving in the beginning. You might be a reluctant giver in the beginning, but you don't wait to feel good about giving to do it. Look at what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Journey, it ought to be our goal to be great givers. It ought to be our goal to be a generous community of Christ followers. Because do you know how glorified God is when people look at his church and say, I thank God for you because you know how to be rich. You know how to be generous. And God, see, is glorified when we're generous. Because the resources we give to him are used to make a difference in people's lives, to reach them, to do whatever it takes to connect them with God, to help them grow up in their faith. One life, one life, one life at a time. Just invite you to take your stuff and just set it aside and move into a posture of prayer and listening to God. Just get real still before the Lord. Ruminate on all of this with him. Maybe there's some of you here today, just while you continue to pray, 
Maybe there's some of you here today who recognize for the first time that you really are rich. You get it. Sure, as it stands now, you might not feel rich because maybe you've been real busy just consuming everything God gives you every time he gives it to you. But when you look at your life, you're starting to get it. You're starting to say, I'm rich, and because God has given me more, I want to give more. If that's you today, would you just lift your hands up right now? Just say, yes, I want to be more generous. Just lift your hand up. Yeah, way to go. All over the room. Way to go. God, make me more generous. That's what you're saying. Way to go. You can put your hands down. And maybe there's others of you here today who would say, you know what? I've not been trusting God with the tithe deal. I've not been giving to God with the tithe but I'm going to take God up on this three-month tithe challenge thing. I'm going to test him like he invites me to. I'm going to worship God via my tithe, and I believe that he's going to be faithful to me through this experience. If that's you, if you're saying, God, I'm going to take you up on this challenge, would you just lift your hand? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand up and say, I'm taking the plunge. Yeah, way to go. Lots of you. Really proud of you. Good job. I'm committing to tithe, you're saying. And then maybe there's those of you here today who don't yet personally know the greatest giver who has ever been. It's God. It's God. And he gave you something far more valuable than money. He gave his son to you. And see, every one of us was born with a sin problem, and our sin problem keeps us from a perfectly holy God, which is why the Bible says that God so loved the world, that's you and that's me. What did he do? God so loved the world that he gave. It's who he is. It's in his very nature and character. He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who came to earth to say, I came that you might have life, and you might have life to the full, abundant life. Jesus Jesus came to forgive our sins and make the way to the Father possible for us. And maybe you're here today and you've been looking for life, full life in things and money and status and material stuff to the neglect of your soul. I believe with everything in me that this is your day to step across the line of faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is your day. What's keeping you? What's holding you back? What's stopping you? If that's you, I just invite you to tell God as much. Tell him you want a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. You can do that through a prayer that goes something like this. God, I want a relationship with you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me by the blood of your son. repent, I turn, and God, I'm walking your way from here on out. Help me, God, begin this new life in you right here, right now, today. And help me, God, live as generously as you did for me, Father. And if that's your prayer today, would you just real boldly slip your hand up and lock eyes with me? Just do that now. Just say, yep, that's me. I stepped across the line of faith right there. Way to go. Right there, yes. And back there, yes. And here, yes, yes. I'm agreeing with you. Just make sure you catch my eye, would you please? I want to miss you. Right there, yes. Way to go. God, the words thank you seem awfully pathetic. 
in light of the reality of the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, they just fall far, far short. They seem really quite meager in compare to what you did. But it's what we got. So we offer thank you. We offer our lives. We offer our hearts. We offer our love. We offer our full devotion to you in return for what you've done for us. And God, thanks for clarity. Thanks for spelling out the invitation to the tithe deal. We know, we get it. It's hard. Yes, it's hard. It's not easy. The rest of the culture is not telling us that this is something we should be doing. But God, your invitation stands. The invite to test you stands. And so lots and lots of us here today, we're just going to take you up on the challenge. We're going to say, here, God, here's my 10% right off the top. Here, I'm giving it back to you, and I'd ask that you'd use it, please, God. Use it to reach people. Use it to grow people. Use it to change the world one life at a time. That's why we give. That's why you invite our giving, to change the world one life at a time. We can't imagine a better thing to be a part of, God, in your kingdom coming on earth just as it is in